What is up, people? And thank you so much for listening in to this edition of the New Generation Hero Talk podcast. I'm your host, EJ Stewart. I'm really excited for today's show. We got a lot to talk about. There's some major, major news regarding a what could be a massive, massive casting in uh, the DC Flash movie. No, we're not talking about ca- recasting the Flash. That is not happening. I know we've talked about that a lot on the show, whether or not that movie will go forward with Ezra Miller. As of now, there's no reason to believe that that's not going to happen based on anything DC has done. But uh, who they added to that movie is someone that I don't think anyone would anticipate or anyone expected. So we'll have to break that down and see what we think about that. Also, uh, you know, speaking of surprise uh, castings, J.K. Simmons' appearance in Spider-Man Far From Home really uh, sent shockwaves, I think, through uh, the superhero movie fandom uh, and industry as Sony did a, a really a great job of keeping that under wraps. Well, he's talking a little bit about what he's been up to and what he's done. So we'll uh, talk about that as well. And then, uh, and then we got a lot of Marvel uh, little, little, little nuggets about some things they may have in the works, things that they're planning. So uh, uh, soon we'll be talking briefly about, about uh, all that stuff as well. So um, this should be a great show. Shamari, unfortunately, could not be here for today's show, but... Kendall Stewart is with me, obviously my partner on New Generation Sports Talk. We're now the, the dynamic duo here on Hero Talk for this episode. Kendall, what's up, man? Uh, nothing much. Been a uh, interesting week, a lot of interesting stories out there, but um, but yeah, we'll hold it down. You know, we have, we have a lot to talk about. Um, uh, so I'm excited. Yeah, I'm excited too. It should be it should be a great show. So let's start off with the, with the top story, man, and. Again, when I saw this, uh, I knew it was going to be a big deal. I knew that it would uh, surprise everyone, and sure enough, it did. It was a, a huge, huge story. It was number one trend on Twitter for a while. Uh, the Rap reported, and shout out to Humberto Gonzalez for a, a huge, huge scoop here. They reported that uh, Warner Brothers is uh, in talks and, and very much plans to bring Michael Keaton onto the big screen once again as Batman. So if you guys remember the 1989 Batman or the 1992 Batman Returns, those movies, which some still hold as the best Batman movies of all time. I don't agree, though. I love those movies. I want to make that very clear. Um, those those are awesome movies. Um, Batman Returns, I, I, you know, both of them are great, but I, I truly always have loved Batman Returns. Um, a great Christmas movie, by the way. <laughs> but but uh, that Michael Keaton, that character, they're trying to uh, somehow infuse into the Flash movie. Now, plot details as to how they're going to do this seem to be unclear. But what Umberto and his reporting is saying right now is that this is going to be DC's way of further expanding its multiverse. Which, if you know anything about DC Comics, you know that uh, the multiverse is pretty much everything uh it explains pretty much any kind of continuity thing that doesn't make sense or anything they wanted to do to uh you know reboot you know the comic book series or 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 take liberties with certain canon uh, explaining it through the multiverse well, that was initially its concept when it when they started it with crisis on infinite earths and and now it seems like they're bringing that concept to the movies as well. We already know that it, it's established on TV after what we saw in Crisis on Infinite Earths, uh, the Arrowverse crossover. If you guys remember, if you didn't watch it, spoilers, I guess, but it's been now almost a year. Uh, Ezra Miller actually appears in that uh, series briefly. So 
that kind of confirmed that you know the DC movies are indeed in within that multiverse, and that multiverse also apparently includes um, uh, the Batman from Michael Keaton's era. So, Kendall, I was I was I was I was surprised when I saw this. You know, they're saying that you know this was pretty much the plan for a while that they wanted to do. You know, we've been talking for a long time about you know how they're going to do Thomas Wayne and will we see Thomas Wayne, and the thought is. That really kind of died a long time ago in terms of the story plotting angle and things that they were talking about. And they moved very quickly to this idea. And this is the idea they've been working on for a long time. And now with the word that they're in talks to get this done, hopefully, it seems like they're on the right track. So, Kendall, I want to get your thoughts. What what did you make of this? Um, And it's brief details real quick, you know. This will not impact Robert Pattinson's Batman, they say, in any way. That is uh, viewed as still the future of the Batman franchise. Um, and, and that is, is separate from anything happening in this movie, per se. But again, with multiverses and people... And we know you know, the, you know Flash's powers and what he's capable of. Who knows exactly how this all plays out. But what do you think? What do you think of the Keaton casting, Kendall? Yeah, so the Keaton casting... Um, obviously a shock, a shocker when you're talking about, um, you know, I don't think anyone expected we see Michael Keaton again as Batman in a Flash movie. You know, like there are so many aspects of this that are so unbelievable. The idea that we would even see Michael Keaton again as Batman seemed very unlikely, though there are some people out there who said, oh, you know, wouldn't it be great if we had a, a Batman Beyond where Michael Keaton was Batman. That, that has been thrown out there before. Um, and that may still eventually be in the cards, but um, that's something that's been thrown out there before. I've always loved the idea, but it never seemed plausible because why would they Why would they do a story where Bruce Wayne is really, really old and they always want to reboot Batman? So it never made sense to have two Batman out there. Um, and then you go beyond that and you say, all right, you're not only going to bring in Michael Keaton to be Batman again at uh, a much, much older age, but you're also going to put him in the Flash. Uh, you talk about characters that could have been in the Flash. We know Cyborg was going to be in there, but there are plenty of other characters that we talked about as having uh, that would have made sense and maybe still could make sense in that movie. You know, among them, Jeffrey Dean Morgan, you know, who played Thomas Wayne in the in the in Batman v Superman. Uh, a lot of people wondered, will will uh, Jeffrey Dean Morgan uh, reprise his role for this movie? And he still could, but this sort of kind of could throw a, a monkey wrench in that a little bit. Um, you know, I've seen conflicting stuff. Some people, uh, some people are reporting that maybe Keaton's playing Thomas Wayne, and that. It wouldn't really make sense for him to play Bruce Wayne and have another Thomas Wayne. My thing is, I don't think they're gonna have Thomas Wayne in the movie. That's my. That, that's I mean, that's my what point. I. That's what I've been hearing from. That's and that's what I believe Umberto is reporting. Is right. if I saw his tweet, if I remember correctly, I think he said this should this his report is supposed to put anything to bed about Thomas Wayne being a thing. Like that, right. and I can go back to his Twitter account, but. That was my impression when he dropped this news that that this is the angle they're going with when in regards to older Batman and that Thomas Wayne and that being a possibility 
of him being Batman uh, that we've seen in Flashpoint in the comic book in the movie, that that is uh, not a thing. Right. Um, do I still think that is, do I think there's a possibility that Keaton is playing Thomas Wayne? I think it's a possibility. Um, I think it'd be a little weird considering he didn't play him in Batman v Superman, but if they wanted to do the thing where it's, oh, it's not the exact same Batman from the original movies uh, to someone else, they could do that. Um, but according, again, I remember people recording, according to Umberto, he's saying that is not true. He, he went back and forth with, uh, uh, with, uh, Grace Randolph, who was saying that, you know, basically kind of leaving the avenue open. Oh, well, he could be playing this. And he, he responded to her saying, quote, uh, he is playing a much older Bruce Wayne from the Burton verse, not Thomas Wayne. Interesting. Interesting. Um, so he's being very definitive about what is happening. Even though I know yeah. there's still rumors out there about what could possibly still go be going on. Yeah, yeah. So it'll be interesting, you know, to see how that plays out. But um, ultimately, even still, just getting Michael Keaton to be in the movie is certainly a, a coup. Uh, again, I'd much rather see him in a Batman Beyond movie um, than a Flash movie. Well, who say we won't see that, to be fair? But yeah, yeah. That, and that, that could be down the road. Uh, I believe it was Boris Kidd that was talking about. Uh, this, this is not a one-shot deal. That he's now going to be the DCU Batman, and that you could see him in Batgirl. You know, play a mentor, a Nick Fury-style role is yeah, what's, what's being discussed. Um, so, uh, Batman Beyond is not out of the question, but I don't know. Batman Beyond is kind of a, a specific story. You know what I mean? So, um, I would have, you know, I would have preferred they kind of go that route, but I mean. It is what it is. We'll see how this plays out. But, I mean, beyond even this, I still think it's fascinating that they're that they're still going full tilt with the Ezra Miller thing. But we'll uh, maybe get into that after you uh, give your take on what do you think about Burton? Yeah, or rather, you know, uh, Keaton. But, yeah, Keaton playing yeah. the Burton versus Batman. <laughs> um, and I, this is what I tweeted when I first saw it. I mean, first of all, let me just put out clear. I think this is a really dope concept. Um Again, they're not going to give away all of the details in terms of how or why this is happening. I'm sure they want to put out a trailer or put out something to kind of lay that out. And we'll get some more nuggets, I think, as the months go on. But just the basic of what I'm hearing in terms of what they want to do and that, you know, they want to create a multiverse. They want everything that you've seen from Warner Brothers DC to have some meaning and some connection. And we know that's the case with the comic books. Uh, you know, there are plenty of comic books that are quote unquote outside the canon that, you know, in some ways do exist, but just possibly in different Earths. And I think the fact that they're they're uh, trying to do that with the movies is a cool idea. It's it's it's. I think, you know, we talked about it before. There is kind of a a point where you could start confusing your fan base and just confuse not even really your fan base. I think your fan base probably will be fine but more so like you're you're very casual fans you're very people like, wait a minute michael keaton well i thought robin passing was batman what's going on is this in the past and, and i and I, there will that will be questions that they will have to answer but i still kind of commend them for the bold move in trying to establish the multiverse in this regard um i'm not sure how i feel about you know if we're talking about gal gadot and jason momoa and if right now it's ezra miller we're talking about you know, that DC moving forward and those characters still being, you know, there being a continuity with those characters. If that is true, again, we don't really know. But if that's the case, 
I don't know if I want, you know, an old Batman hanging around. I think I'd prefer that they have a Batman, you know, amongst them that is, you know, young and spry and can can go out there and, and, and batarang away and bust heads. But again, this is bold and different. I think the only thing that is kind of hanging this up for me is I think that, and this is what I tweeted, I think that the the Flashpoint title or the Flashpoint stuff that they keep kind of bringing up, and this movie technically is supposed to be Flashpoint. That's what it was announced when they did Comic-Con, I think, in 2017. Because I had to look back and say, was that something confirmed by DC? And it was. Now I just feel like it's kind, they're kind of setting themselves up for failure because, well, not setting themselves up for failure. I would say that they're opening themselves up for criticism that really is unnecessary because... When you think of Flashpoint, Thomas Wayne is instrumental. He's, he's, he's indispensable. There's no, you can't have Flashpoint without Thomas Wayne. He, besides Flash, he's the second most important character. So when you tell me, just like the CW had their issue, when you tell me you're doing Flashpoint and you give me something different, boy, that different thing better be great. And it gets to the point to me where it's like, why would you even call Flashpoint? Just call it something else. You know, like I don't see... And if you're talking about him going to a Burton verse, that means he's not traveling back in time. He's traveling back through dimensions, which is still awesome. But now we're getting to a different angle. So, okay, he's traveling different dimensions. Does he say a different, uh, different uh, Nora Allen? Like who? Who? Like it just seems like for whatever reason they don't want to do Thomas. And that's okay. But my thing's okay. Then let's move on from the Flashpoint. Just. Just move on from even talking about Flashpoint. Like that, I think they, like it, it. It just it opens them up. For, opens themselves up for a can of worms. That I think now it's kind of becoming an anchor because I feel like the only thing that people are kind of harping on is is he Thomas Wayne? Can he be Thomas Wayne? And it's like we have the report literally saying that he's not. Not not to diss you either because you you know, but you were bringing it up too. Hey, maybe he's somehow Thomas. It's like yeah, because we're stuck on this Flashpoint idea. And it, like it seems like they're developing something different that's really cool that we we're not going to even give a chance because we keep thinking about Flashpoint and that's their own fault because they brought it into the conversation, you know. But I think on the surface level, this is this is really cool. Um, I, I you know I've I've mentioned that 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 idea of like crossing over you know different movies and different shows from the past I always thought was brilliant. You know, something that I thought you know Spider Verse should have done in the first movie. Um, I, I think that people love that kind of nostalgia, and um, and I think that you know the fact that the Flash TV show is really the only show that's kind of even touched that angle. Uh, I think that, it, that you know you, that people should play more with that. So I think this is really cool. I'm, I was shocked when I saw this because you know again Michael Keaton signed to Sony Marvel with his Spider Man, uh, you know responsibilities. I didn't think that he would be someone who not only would be doing this Flash movie as Batman, but then also, you know, doing other multiple movies. That's a that, that's a that's a cool way. Yeah, no, I mean, I look. I think you raise great points. I think the, I think that's where someone like Grace Randolph may not even believe Umberto. You know what I mean? Because if this is Flashpoint, it, it are there some hijinks going on there? That's gonna be that's gonna be the question, and we'll we'll know for a fact. When we get a trailer, when we get you know an announcement um, from Warner Brothers, but but they only uh, they're only removing, but they're only they're only the only reason why people wouldn't believe Umberto is because of what DC has previously said, which is why I feel like this is why you know 
I think it would be smart for the DC to, to come out with something that disassociates himself from Flashpoint. Maybe they thought this was doable, but then when I'm reading, the, the, I think this actual report, or if it wasn't this one, maybe it was one from Boris Kitt, where it basically was like, oh, this is going to be Flashpoint meets uh, Dark Knight Returns meets Batman Beyond. And now I'm like... Yeah, that was Umberto, yeah. Yeah, and I, I'm just like, okay, one, that... That that tweet scared me a little bit, Kendall, because that, that reminds me a lot of uh, Snyder, Batman. right? Yeah, that reminds <laughs> you a lot of. That's what I was hearing from Snyder. I was hearing that this movie was a lot of different things. And I'm just like, and then when you watch it, you're like, wow, this feels like five different <laughs> super you know, Superman story that they threw into one that. thing. And you know what's also very Snyder esque about that, even worse with this movie, is that they put all those aspects of all those. Into what was more so supposed to be a, a Superman movie, almost a you know. And now this time you're putting all these different Batman stories and iterations into a Flash movie. So like, how much of this movie now is he saying just the the small portion that we'll get of Batman in terms of like being Gotham and all the different things? Is that small portion going to be kind of a mishmash of all those three, or? Is now the movie going to be a buddy cop between Batman and Flash? That becomes a weird movie to be your Flash movie. I don't know, but that was the whole problem. Um, that was me. That to me, that was the whole problem with Flashpoint to begin with. Was right. I thought that it, it made no sense as your first Flash movie. Um, yes. Well, and I can't say it made no sense because it makes a lot of sense from a dollar standpoint. You know all the stars you can put into it. You know, like it makes. I see where it makes sense, but I think from a storytelling standpoint, it doesn't make sense. We know we know very little about this Ezra Miller Flash. Uh, even the movie we saw him in, he's reduced to just pure comic relief. He doesn't bring any. There is no layers to him in any way. And and again, the characters. He he served his purpose. He. Yeah, he served his purpose. I didn't love, I didn't love his Flash, but like I, w- I didn't hate it because I, I knew what they were trying to do. Um, I, uh, I think any potential layers they cut out. So I think we'll we'll see that's possible. We'll see in the Snyder cut more story between him and you know maybe Iris West. That's or fair. More, more stuff with him in his background, but that's a fair. That's a very fair point that you bring up. Well, what, um, what do you make of the fact that they're Seem to be going forward with Ezra Miller. Um, I think I think that they're doing pretty much what you said they should do. I think they're just trying to wait out the storm. They, they I think they think they're going to get out of this. I think um, I think that there's a hurricane I, waiting on the horizon as soon as COVID is over, which is what I said at the beginning. I think that I think that they. I will admit I thought that any news regarding the Flash and anything that came up. In this time, would I think I thought they would immediately be hit with Ezra. This is such a, a massive surprise and pleasant surprise, and everybody's happy and excited that I think that it almost kind of dwarfs the thing we had with Ezra a couple of months ago. Maybe they knew that. I, mean, I, I think they like, did. I think they. they I think they did. They knew what we had planned. They wouldn't be worried about it. Now, what I will say is, I feel worse about their position. Now than I did two months ago, or whenever it was. It's been a long time, but and I say that because since all because of all the things that have happened in our country, uh, you know the the society has become more aware to people's shortcomings. Um, oh yeah, you know, like talking about everybody has receipts. Yeah, 
Yeah, and the receipts now are starting to be they're starting to be uh starting to come out. Yeah, they're, they're, you know? they're being distributed at a record pace. A record pace. You know, I think that's the only way to put it. And with people more likable than Ezra Miller. So it'll be interesting. You know, I again two months ago when every celebrity you know was having their 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 stuff on earth, I, I felt more comfortable with them just saying, Look, don't do anything. This will die down. You'll be fine. But now I would advise them you better make sure you have a, a really, really good story because people aren't just gonna forget about it. And it'll it these things on social media can spread like wild wildfire. So if you have you could have if a thousand people retweet, you know, fire Ezra Miller, we can't forget about Ezra Miller, he's problematic. That one thousand people is gonna grow to fifty thousand, a hundred thousand. If they don't have a good story. So that's all I'll say to Warner Brothers is, look, I, you know, I initially, yeah, if, if they did listen to me and they were like, yeah, maybe Kendall's right. Maybe we shouldn't say anything. Uh, it'll all go away. I would say, yes, two months ago, yes, it was going to go away. But um, with all the stuff that's happened in our country, I think now is the worst time to be holding skeletons in the closet if they are there. So uh, just be careful. You know, they're yeah. playing a dangerous game if they really don't have a good a good story. But maybe they do. Maybe there's something in there or maybe there's nothing there, but I don't think that um, there's I don't think they have a good story cuz I think they would have came out with it. I, would, I think that better I think a better I think a good story usurps let's just hope this dies down and then give our good story. I don't think that. Cuz I think to I think to me it kind of muddles the story. Like I think when this thing pops up again, we ain't going to care about the stories behind it. <laughs> like, I, I, in my opinion, I think having a clear, good story initially, immediately when the, the you know the storm was initially at its strongest is how you get to bed. I don't think that you know if in six months, seven months, now we're moving forward, we're shooting the flash, and then they're doing promo and they're doing promotion and well, promo, promotion, anything, but uh, but they're doing promo, and then all of a sudden now someone says, "Hey, remember Ezra did this last year?" And then that gets spread around because it will, and um. And then they're gonna have a, a controversy on their hands that they they that right. I don't think oh well actually this is what happened a year ago that none of you guys knew nobody's gonna believe and I don't think anybody's gonna care. My guess is they signed some, they they had some sort of settlement NDA. That's my guess. Um, that the victim. Well, yeah, Warner Brothers, Ezra Miller's people, whatever, whoever had to get it done. I think they. Yeah, they, that's not gonna stop. Uh, that uh, that video is awful. I'm not trying to. I don't want to. You know like harp on it but it's like i don't think yeah, the victim, it, I mean, the victim and the people they're not talking i don't think is gonna really stop anyone feeling a certain way about it well what i will say is that it does stop the bleeding in some way because you don't have the victim saying yeah this is how i felt when my and this man was choking the life out of me they don't say anything it'll be harder to to cancel them because the video the video, while while it was bad, of course it was short, but there was also kind of the weird stuff about them saying the police came, the police never came, and now it's like some deal, oh, maybe they made it up, or maybe it was a lie or something, you know? And because of that, if they don't say anything, I don't know, I don't think it'll be as bad. You know what I mean? So, yeah, be- I don't, 
Yeah, I see what you're saying, but I, I just I think the again in my opinion I think the video is too is too bad. I think the video um it it, uh, it speaks too much for itself. Real quickly, uh, according to Umberto in this report, he says the story would see Ezra travel back in time to prevent the death of his mother. So obviously all flashpoint, and then the result would be Alan uh, Barry Allen inadvertently creating another universe protected by. Michael Keaton's Batman, who now thirty years older. Um, give me Batman. I guess young. to me, I don't, I don't. What I don't get is how, like that's why when I said before, he'd have to travel dimensions. Like, like, why would he go back in time and now like Batman just looks different and like is a different person? That doesn't make a lot of sense. Like he would come back and all of a sudden like his mom's alive, but now. My Batman doesn't like Ben Affleck anymore. He looks like Michael Keaton. I don't really get that. I'm fascinated. Which is why, again, I think the Flashpoint part of this is like, like, I, I hope that they, like, if you're going to do this, then just take it liberties with the Flashpoint story and do whatever you want. Don't stick to, like, that script as much. Which is why I'm, that's what I'm saying. My only concern about this is I'm hoping that Flashpoint doesn't become an anchor from their, from their, either them either being as creative as possible or from fans really accepting this. I'm fascinated if the Snyder Cut, first of all, whether or not the Snyder Cut's canon or not, but second of all, whether or not they'll use that as an opportunity to set up any of these future storylines. Um, what's interesting, it's Kendall, what's interesting is, 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 you know, before Umberto dropped his, you know, you know Umberto bomb, uh, <laughs> he, he said... He, his first tweet, his tweet was, DC has a plan in all caps. And I'm glad you guys brought that up. So probably the last point I want to make on this is, uh, I do think that th- that they have a, a huge plan. Um, and I feel like I'm starting to see it crystallize. I think that we had Crisis on Infinite Earths in, on TV. I think that they'll do a second Crisis event on the big screen. That will be it. That will be their next big ensemble movie maybe it's infinite crisis uh maybe something totally they just make up a whole different crisis but i think that now you're seeing you got joaquin phoenix joker here you got uh batman a whole different world with you know uh uh robert pattinson and zoe uh kravitz catwoman here and now you got you know, all of a sudden, you know, what's the names in the fold now? We got uh, Michael Keaton. Um, of course, we still got, you know, Momoa. We still got uh, Gal Gadot. Who knows you get you bring Nolan involved? <laughs> we can get Nolan. <laughs> I mean, if they, they could get Nolan, I mean, that would just be nuts. But but I don't think they need to. Like, they like even right, with right. Keaton, you got Keaton. I think, in my opinion, I think that they're setting up that story. That's like that. When I saw this, I was like, "Okay, I think I see what's going on here," because this is too many like stories with the same characters, but this one isn't canon to this one. For this, it's getting too out of hand, almost. Not, and I think it's like controlled chaos. I think, like, yes, it is kind of out of hand, but I think it's on purpose. Because I think eventually they want that big moment for when these characters do come together and come face to face to be big. When you know, when Joaquin Phoenix Joker, if they can get him, does come face to face with. Michael Keaton, like how that, how like that, like that's a moment that because you know 
at the end of the day, we all know that Warner Brothers just wants their Avengers moment. They want their Endgame. They want their Infinity War. That's what they want, eventually. I think they realized how they were going about it was terrible. And they've had to, you know, backtrack and circle back to what they're doing. But, you know, I'm holding on to what we heard when they first rebooted DCU. They said, Worlds of DC. And to me, I thought it was a smart name. They don't don't really market it like that. But even beyond the name, I thought it was a smart approach. Because I think it, it, it it, it gave them a lot more freedom creatively. And it still touched on what the DC universe is about because it is about multiverses way more than Marvel is. That's yeah, and, and that's what DC's always had over Marvel. We've always talked about well DC, you know, they're they're behind the eight ball because they didn't start their cinematic universe before Marvel. So it's gonna be hard for them to really catch up. But what they have above Marvel is a longer library and a longer history of doing these things. Mm-hmm. Exactly. And, because of that, that gives them the opportunity to say, look, let's go back to Keaton. Why not? You know, I mean, yeah, he's not technically in the canon, but we have the Flash. We can make him canon. Um, we can, like I said, no one, not likely, but obviously still very much in the Warner Brothers family. All these things that they've done in the past, particularly with Batman, but with other characters, we've seen them do, we've seen them bring Brandon Routh back, a Superman. Like, they're not afraid to dive back into the into the into the DC library and that's an advantage that they have over Marvel. You know, Marvel we're talking strictly Marvel Studios, they try and keep things more realistic. It's gonna make their thing with the X Men tougher and the Fantastic Four tougher. Um and because of that they started in two thousand eight and that's all they have. So they 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 help they helped themselves using J. Jonah Jameson. That gave them some sort of leeway, but um they're not gonna. I would. Un, it's unlikely that they're gonna go back and say, "Oh, we're gonna we're gonna bring back the X Men from 2000." Seems unlikely. It does seem unlikely, and um, and you know, I I I think that again, there's some fun things that can be done with playing around with dimensions and time. We even saw, you know, X Men kind of do it with Days of Future Past. You know, yes, that was a time thing, but some of the continuity and how it didn't make sense, like that almost was like kind of your introduction to like maybe even crossing dimensions in some ways. Like, because uh, then the you know, kids we end up seeing in the future don't necessarily mirror the X-Men characters we saw when we watched uh, you know, the first X-Men movie by the time we get to Apocalypse. You know what I'm saying? So, uh, so yeah, I think that this is a interesting idea. Um, you know, I, I, I'm, I'm wondering how having the elder Batman in the D- in this DC universe, how that will work. That my I guess the my assumption is that this Batman won't die. It was what they're saying, is that he will they'll he'll they'll mess up the universe because Barry ran to save his mom and then he'll try to fix it, but you know, this Batman will, will stay. He'll probably be the only person one of the few people that remembers whatever messed up universe Barry created. And um and it opens up a lot of creative things, you know, again Batman Beyond being a possibility. Uh, so uh, so we'll see we'll see how they end up uh, continuing with this. Before we move on, Ken, though, speaking of Batman, uh, I do want to I want to do that top of the show, but I, I, I forgot. I did want to give uh, a massive uh, condolences to family and friends of Joel Schumacher who passed away um, just yesterday, I believe. Uh, he, he of course uh, 
you know, the director for St. Elmo's Fire, The Lost Boys, and Flatliners. But, of course, for the superhero fans, he's most known for being the director of uh, his two installments of Batman movies. He did Batman Forever in 1995 and the rather infamous Batman and Robin 1997 movies. That's um, funny. Right before Schumacher passed, I actually saw someone post an article saying that Batman Forever is way better than people give it credit for. And I've always I, I like that movie, man. I've always kind of thought that like that did that movie didn't get nearly the flowers it deserved. In terms of like in hindsight. I thought at the time I think people yeah. did like it. I think like it, as years went by, I think we kinda like loop it in with like Batman and Robin. I don't think or remember it being nearly no, as no, ridiculous no. as Batman and Robin. So like yeah, I do, I mean, I do it's feel not like the, it's not a it's not a legendary movie, but there are some great performances in there. Um Kilmer, I thought was pretty decent. I thought I love Jim Carrey, so um, yeah, I don't think it's a terrible movie. I yes. agree. Yeah, so I feel like plus, um, plus you have the intro, which yeah, was I think cool. that's on DC Universe. I gotta give that a watch. Um, maybe I'll give it a watch. Yeah. Maybe I'll give it tonight. Tonight, who knows? But yeah. um, but nonetheless, though, obviously, you know, Schumacher, legend in the game. Um, he also did one of my favorite movies, Phone Book, uh, Phone Booth, two thousand two, uh, with Colin Farrell. So. I want to give a R.I.P. to Mr. Schumacher and a condolences to his fans, his family, and, and uh, the rest of his loved ones. Um, I do want to move on now, though, to talk about another big story we got from this week. Uh, J.K. Simmons, who, uh, you know, again, shocked the world when he appeared in that uh, post-credit scene in Spider-Man uh, Far From Home and revealed the identity of Peter Parker. Spoilers again if you have not seen that movie, but uh, that is what happened, and it's beginning almost a year from now, so... You guys are gonna have to get over those. That that spoiler, but um, he recently spoke about uh, his plans moving forward and, and what he's done so far, and he says that uh, he's already actually shot his next appearance as J Jonah J Jonah Jameson. So he was talking to a Sirius XM, and he said, uh, "Well, yes, I will be back as J Jonah Jameson." That's the short answer when asked about what his future holds. He said there is a future for J Jonah Jameson after a several year hiatus. He showed up very briefly for those who were wise enough to stay through the credits of Far From Home. There is one more JJJ appearance in the can. And from what I'm hearing, there is a plan for yet another. So uh, JJ will continue now and forever. So uh, J.K. Simmons, he seems locked and loaded, ready to go. He said something's already been shot with him. Kendall, what do you make of that news that he's already shot something as uh, J. Jonah Jameson? Um, to me, I think that, that to me only screams Morbius. Um, you don't think, think that could be Venom too? Personally, I don't think that it would be Venom too. Um, it could be, but I, I, how far is Venom two in the filming, right? They, 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 I guess they already filmed it because they were. I mean, the trailer, no trailer coming out soon. I feel like Venom um, Two is like they pushed it back, but I feel like Venom Two is like the biggest like mystery. Like I don't know anything yeah, that's happening. Yeah, they've been very quiet about that, which is weird. Cause but they were quiet nothing, about Morbius. Yeah, but it was not how Venom One moved. Yeah, Venom One was all over the place. Yeah, Venom but, One, where they were very loud. This movie, they've been moving in complete silence. I haven't seen a set photo. I haven't seen nothing. Yeah. Yeah, but uh, yeah, they have been filming that movie because again, there were people there. There were calls for trailers months ago, and rumors about a trailer about a trailer months ago. Um, so, and they pushed it back. So obviously, so yeah, it could be Venom too. But 
to me, Morbius, I just think, makes more sense. Um, I think story-wise, he, he could be in both. You know, like, that's also a possibility, but we know that they're already going to have Michael Keaton, speak of the devil, in that movie. Um, I think it just makes sense that we get him in, uh, we get J. John Jameson in that movie as well. You could do do a stand-up where maybe he's interviewing uh, Michael Morbius. Um, I, I don't know if I want to say I heard that somewhere, if somebody may have said that, but... Uh, but that's that like a long time ago. I think I may have read that somebody said that maybe in the movie. But I can do I can see something where they actually interview Michael Morbius or something where he's just reporting on oh vampire on the loose, you know, kind of take a shot at kind of infowars, <laughs> like some ridiculous kind of concept. But like it's actually reality. That'd be funny. That's um, really funny. Yeah, exactly. Uh, but yeah, no, I think that um, I, I think Morbius to me is my uh, is my best guess. Yeah, Morbius would be my guess too. Um, that movie is already shown that it's willing to break. I don't. I, don't, it's, I, I say break canon, but we don't. We don't really know what the canon is, which is why this is all confusing with what Sony is doing. And I would. I really plead them and hope that we get this resolved very soon, and maybe we'll get a resolve with Morbius. But um, yeah, I would assume that that's the movie because that's the movie that we've already seen where they're showing things and and alluding to things that shouldn't be alluded to it is weird though because we see like an um again a daily bugle newspaper style you know ad on a bus but we clearly see the j john jameson character that is uh in far from home is not doing a newspaper so we'll figure out how that works but i I, again i told you i think that there's going to be some there's going to be some kind of dimensional movement i've said i said that before when we talked about it i think that clearly something is going to happen that's going to shift where morbius is in the multiverse or the spider-verse if you want to call it that that to me is clearly the step they're going in i think that morbius may very well be set in like the toby Maguire spider-man and then he'll be moved into far from home verse somehow and that's where we get you know homeboy from uh from, from homecoming vulture and we'll get then maybe that's where we get Jameson, but uh, but yeah, I guess to me I would have, and I guess yeah, you're right. Like you could have, they could have done Venom two, but I guess my impression was Venom two had more work to do before they would have. Yes. It. So I, I thought that knowing that Morbius is essentially done, I think. I mean, they definitely done shooting. Um, you know, now they're in just post production, and I don't know how far along they are, but I'm sure you know what. They, they they got a far they got a long way before we got to the pandemic so that was the impression I had that Morbius would be the one uh, but he says he's gonna he's he's here to say he says there's multiple ones already lined up and he's saying you're talking about a multiple appearance like he's not gonna have just an appearance in the next Spider-Man movie like he's gonna be in it you would think because he's the one who dropped this big news I'm not saying he's gonna be you know throughout the entire movie but I would assume he's not a cameo he's gonna be in the movie. So if he's talking about another appearance, I would think that that second appearance would then be uh, Venom 2. You know what I'm saying? And that's the one they haven't done yet. So if I'm reading his quotes uh, where he says, there is one more JJ appearance in the can. And from what I'm hearing, there's a plan yet for another. So, you know, now he does say plans. That makes you think, okay, well, it's a plan. You would think Venom 2, they can't be planning anything. You think that they would have to have done whatever they need to do. But a plan doesn't, you know, a plan could be an after credit scene too or, or a mid credit scene, you know, so... Maybe it's not in the movie, but maybe it's him appearing again post credits. 
And that could end up being a smart way to maybe, you know, tease, you know, the next Spider-Man movie since that'll be the next thing Sony does. So, so I can see this going multiple ways, but I agree that I think that his next appearance is uh, Morbius. Any last thoughts on this before we move on? Yeah, I mean, I guess just, you know, I'm, I'm interested, you know, whether or not there will be more characters. I think this confirms, though, that Tom Holland will, it, that Tom Holland's going to appear in one of these other movies. I don't know when it's going to be. Venom 2 seems like the best guess. Uh, but also, I, I, will, I will say, is there a possibility it could also be Spider-Verse? You have to throw that in there as well. That's a great point. I never thought about Spider-Verse. That would be really smart and genius, I think. Now, it would be kind of... I don't think that's what he's talking about, but maybe he's... Maybe J.K. Simmons is smarter than we give him credit for. I mean, he probably is, but just in terms of... You're saying saying that would be... Are you saying that would be his second appearance or the one he's already talking about? Like, that could be the one he's talking about. I don't... See, I don't think it could be the one he's talking about because Spider-Verse... I just, like... They, I mean, it feels I, feel, I feel like I feel like they they pretty much stopped production when they started. It was like, hey, we started. And it was like pandemics. All right, never mind. <laughs> yeah, so I'm like, how early. could he've already shot that or voice? He would have to voice that, obviously. Yeah, like he have, voicing. Yeah, how would he? Have, I mean, he could have voiced it, but I just think yeah, I don't. I don't think there's any way like you could have like in the beginning of. I don't think that he's that much in the movie, but he's that high a priority that like, in one of your first recordings, you're getting J.K. But I, well, I don't see how that would know, be, make sense. From what I've heard, is a lot of animation projects haven't really halted their production because, like, right, video games. You're, you're in front of a computer. Yeah. Yeah, you're in front of a computer. You know, so that's why, like, like the Super Mario Brothers movie is supposed to be coming out in 2022. When all this COVID stuff hit, they just, they were like, oh, "We're not moving the date. We're 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 up and running. Yeah, like we're fine." So. You know, you wonder, I mean, if Spider-Verse... When Spider-Verse 2 is supposed to come out? In 2022? Um, yes. You know, I mean, they may... Now, again, I think it's early in general. For J.K. Simmons, I like, is the script done? Do they know to the point where they're getting, they've got a J.K. Simmons animated... Again, I don't think he's in the movie that much. Like, they have a voice, a voiceover. I think that'd be early. But, I mean, if if they're moving, if they're moving with a fast pace... It's not impossible, but again, even if it's not, it's not directly what he's talking about. You do wonder now that he's kind of back in the Sony family whether or not he'll be in the movie anyway. Yeah, exactly. Um, yeah, it's 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 it's, it's uh, man again between Sony and their Spider Verse and uh, DC with their multiverse, like they got well, a not a monopoly. Yeah, <laughs> it's not a monopoly, and 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 I think what these companies are understanding is. The Marvel is so formulaic that the less formulaic you look, the more you stand out. And I think that, ironically, for both properties, like what really got people kind of looking at them in a different light in terms of really turning the corner was uh, things outside of continuity that had nothing to do with anything they were doing that had continuity with Into the Spider-Verse and Joker. But that's not an accident to me. I think it was like to, in order to even make those movies, you kind of have to come up with more of an original idea that isn't tied to being tethered to, you know, other things. So, 
yeah, I'm I'm excited to see uh, how J.K. Uh, can be uh, included, but whenever he is, I'm I'm sure uh, we're gonna love the appearance because he's just I, I can't imagine anyone else playing the role. I'm not saying nobody else can because we've seen people play a role that they no one else can play, and then they do it. We've seen it now, literally twice with the Joker, which is kind of crazy. But um, that's crazy. Like like I don't know if there's any other character, Kendall, because we can't say that about James Bond. Um. I don't think there's any character where, like, you can say we have three legendary performances in this one character. And they're all completely different. And no one thought that the person that was taking the role could top the last person. Like, you said you think Mark Hamill on that list for Joker? No, I was talking about Jack Nicholson. But Mark Hamill is a fourth if you want to do all the animated version. Yeah. You know, it, it does speak to the strength of just the character that was created, but he's not a deep character, which also makes it so crazy that, like, everyone's been able to knock him out of the park in such a way. So many of those iconic characters, people can't live up to the shoes or the clown shoes in this regard um, <laughs> of uh, of the role. But this has not been one. I don't I can't think of a bad, a, a, ma- a mainstream major bad Joker. I don't think there's ever everyone has been le- iconic. Not even legendary. I mean, it's like been iconic every single. I mean, Leto wasn't iconic. Oh, good. Yeah, Leto wasn't iconic. I didn't think he, 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 like I thought he was fine. I just watched first, Suicide Squad. I, and I was trying. I guess currently I was trying to forget it immediately because I just I, I was, was not like, in my why, brain. He's really, uh, you know, putting a lot of praise on Leto. No, <laughs> uh, when he's iconic, I was like, right, I can't, I can't let this go anymore. Ne- anymore. Never that. My when I said iconic, I meant Nicholson. I meant. <laughs> Ledger, oh, like, and I meant I uh, obviously Phoenix. I can't let the cap continue. <laughs> iconic and legendary. Like, but the people Leto. I but the people I named are iconic and legendary. Now I forgot about Leto, and yes, that was not a legendary performance or iconic. Um, right. I don't even think it was that all that good. But that's yeah, you're really more debatable. Yeah, uh, but but yeah, but like it isn't. Yeah, so he's. He was kind of like the, you know, he's a, uh, he's the, you know, he's 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 the, uh, what's the name? He's the Tito Jackson of the Joker, <laughs> of the Jokers that we've had, you know. Uh, sorry, Jared. Great actor, great talent, but in terms of that field of what of the people he worked with, and, um, yeah, he's 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 the he's the he's a person on his own. He's almost like the mellow of the two twenty of the of the twenty uh, two thousand three draft class. Like he was on, he had a bad situation. You know, he had talent that maybe if they would have used the right way, he could have won a championship. But instead, now he's looking at all his peers, and they all got rings, and he don't got one. That's Jared Leto's Joker at this point. Um, let's uh, move on to, you know, I know we went on the Batman, another Batman Joker, Batman tangent uh, before, with, obviously, with the death of Schumacher and, and then that random one with the Joker. Let's kind of stay with Spider-Man a little bit because uh, some other news that came out that I thought was um, not all that surprising. I think I've, I've heard this rumor before. Um, but it's never been anywhere close to someone who was like a reputable source. But for the first time, this rumor seemed to be from someone who is somewhat reputable. Uh, Daniel Richman, a.k.a. Daniel RPK, reported that Marvel Studios is indeed working on the plan to introduce Firestar into the MCU. Now, um, if you know, if you don't know the Firestar character, or that name sounds familiar, but you can't put your finger on it. If you think back to 1985, the amazing 
Spider-Man, Spider-Man and his amazing friends uh, show. At least it was 80, I thought it was 85. I could. I hope I didn't make that up. I feel like it was 87. That was my guess. Okay. But Whatever year it was. Um, Spider-Man and his amazing friends. Uh, NBC Saturday cartoon debuts. It includes Spider-Man, Iceman, and a new character who had never appeared in the comics before, Firestar. So, Kendall, obviously, you know, Firestar is not just, you know, a Spider-Man friend and ally uh, as she was in the show, but Firestar also is a member of the X-Men. She was a, a, a yes. member of the X-Men in the cartoon. And the whole story was that she left X-Men to go to New York and, and then ends up being friends with Spider-Man, her and Iceman. And, um, and then... She's actually one of the few characters. She's almost she's almost like the first like kind of Harley Quinn, where you had a character who started on television and became so popular that they actually included her in the comics. Most of the time, you're seeing characters go from comic to TV or movie. This character went from TV to comics. So Firestar is not a uh, fire. Uh, excuse me. Um, Firestar is in the canon, but no longer, but didn't start as a comic book. So, uh, Kendall, what do you make? What do you think is a foot? with Marvel's plans for Firestar. So according to according to Jeremy Conrad, this is uh because Firestar is a mutant, she will fall under the MCU umbrella. Uh that's his interpretation of the situation. Uh so if we're assuming that this is an MCU deal, which I would I would assume so as well, which is a lot of it is more of the same anyway, or you know, there's overlap. Because you know Spider Man can still interact with Firestar, it's not that they're not that separated. But um, assuming she's not in the the Spider Man movies, do I think there's a scenario where she's in an X Men movie? Potentially, um, but that's not even that's not I don't think even I, not even that I think is the mo- the most likely scenario. I think where we could see Firestar is in some sort of Disney Plus. Team up show, uh, Secret Warriors, New Warriors, that, that type of thing. Um, uh, whether or not, uh, you know, I'm not sure what the deal is with Young Avengers, when that's coming out or when that's a thing, but that's another scenario or that's another pro- property or project that we could see her in. But I'm, I, I'm, uh, I would say I'm concerned, but I, I'm interested to see where they're going to place her because that, there is no real natural fit. Right now, where the MCU is, um, ideally, I would say hold hold on to the character until later for X Men movies. But if it's plausible that you could have her on the initial X Men team, I mean, I think it's plausible if they wanted to. There have been some rumors out there. I forget the source, but it was kind of, there have been some kind of weak rumors out there about what the initial X Men team was going to look like, um, and it was vastly different. You know, it had like. Cyclops, but it all and and uh, Marvel Girl, obviously the Jean Grey, but you know it also included uh, um, not a uh, uh, Havoc, forgetting his name. Yeah, it also included Havoc, included uh, yeah, Alex Summers. Yeah, Thunderbird. Um, it included No Wolverine uh, and Storm. I think was on the list as well. It might not even have had, have had Storm, but it was a it was a very weird list of of X Men. Uh, Firestar was out on the list from what I remember, but if the idea is, yes, Feige wants to do something vastly different with the X-Men, then Firestar, if you're going for somebody who's kind of off the beaten path that we haven't seen yet, kind of makes sense. Um, 
But if you are going to do something conventional, then I don't know where she fits in in the MCU right now. Yeah, this is <laughs> Firestar is like one of the one of the most unique kind of characters I think in the Marvel universe and in Marvel's library because she touches so many different um, corners of the Marvel universe. Like you got an introduction into like the Spider-Man universe, which was kind of linked, which was had a, a tether and a link to the X-Men. And then she's been in a, a bunch of other teams. She's been, you know, she's worked with the Avengers. She's worked with the new warriors. Like she's been with the Hellions that's why this character kind of showing up now is so is to me is fascinating because I'm like, like I don't know where you'd put her necessarily. I can't pinpoint it. Like, did it was it make sense to have her be on the X Men and then have her kind of be the link between you know Peter Parker and the X Men, and, and and you know could that make sense? Similar to how Kitty Pride in the Ultimate Universe was Peter's link to the X-Men because she was an X-Man currently who was, uh, you know, in high school, Peter, and was dating him. I could see, you know, I could see that being something they say, oh, well, this would be a good way to kind of, like, tether. Now we got Sony meets the Fox character that we just acquired meets, like, the MCU all in one. So, obviously, and then there's a very nostalgic history and background behind that, for sure. But as you said, Ken, though, there's also... She is an X Man, or she 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 was introduced originally as an X Man, and I I think there is value to if Marvel wants to differentiate itself from what Fox did with the X Men. Uh, I think there is value in, in drastically changing the roster that we've seen, and I think that if if it's true that they don't want to have a Wolverine on the team initially, I think that that actually would be smart and make sense. I think you can do a Wolverine movie. I don't think you need him to be in the X-Men to be like a factor in the MCU. Or if you have an appearance or something else. I don't think he has to be in the X-Men. But uh, but yeah, if you want to do something dra- drastically different, you could decide to have um, you know, F- Firestar be one of the members of the X-Men. And if you want to have Cyclops and Marvel Girl, but then you can throw in characters that we haven't seen or maybe characters that were underutilized um, in the past. So... This is fascinating. I, I don't have a good feel for where they're going to go because there is always risk with working with Sony and giving any characters to them that you have a future with because we know after what happened last summer how that could just blow up at any moment. So I'm, I'm hesitant to think that that's where they're going to go. But again, the nostalgia and the connection is obvious that that's where I think they should go. But even if they want to just introduce her just purely just like a... X-Men character or character on some other team but who is a mutant there's also still value in that because again there's a nostalgia and people there's a recognizability not necessarily made with the youngest fans but with older fans that will like make people excited so uh, I can see her being you know part of a you know new warriors or something that may be on Disney plus I can see her being part of um, again part of the X-Men there's a lot of ways this can go So let let me uh, clarify my initial comments on the um, X-Men. So the initial report, yeah, coming from Mikey Sutton, 
um, who sometimes likes to scoop on the, the Marvel stuff. He had said that the X-Men team uh, would include, I said Thunderbird, uh, Cyclops, Havoc. Um, it would also include, again, Marvel Girl. And then it'll, it'll also have uh, Nightcrawler and Sunfire. That that would be the team. And Storm. So, um, interesting crop. Interesting crop. But, personally, I'm like, I don't know. I get it. I, I, I get putting Thunderbird. You add diversity, I think, to the to the group and potentially with Sunfire as well. Uh, so I think that 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 there is value there for Marvel. Um, as opposed to someone like Iceman. Um, so I don't know, but that's that is a rumor. I but I agree that I do I I do understand the idea of not putting Wolverine necessarily on the group because I think Wolverine actually adds value outside of the X Men that you may want you may for need. Sure. So yeah. I think if I'm Feige, I I don't pigeonhole Wolverine as part of the X Men initially. Um, cause he's, he's bigger than that. So you want to, you want to position Wolverine as, you know, another Iron Man type guy where you can carry your, your franchise, carry right. your whole, your whole universe. So there are ways where you can do that, that don't include Iron Man. There are ways where you could, uh, put him in other things, which we may be talking about soon, but also putting him in, uh, in stories with other characters that we've seen already. Um, like, you know, Captain America, potentially. But that's uh, a whole other story for a whole other time. <laughs> yeah, if Wolverine was your franchise player, like a, a Giannis or LeBron, then, like, Firestar to me is, like, you know, like a Jim Jackson. Like, <laughs> like very, very I don't think useful, anybody listening to this podcast. Very useful, uh, very, very useful, very talented, but played on a million teams. Because um, in some ways, their character was a little, like, one-dimensional and, like, but also, like, because they were one-dimensional, they also kind of fit with anyone. So <laughs> Firestar um, is, is, a, is a cool character, but because she has this long history with just pretty much everyone in the Marvel Universe, you can do whatever you want with her. So I think that's why I think it makes sense for Marvel to want to include her in the MCU. We'll just have to be curious to see uh, and wait and see uh, what they end up doing. Um, two other stories I want to get to real quick. First, uh, Marvel... Speak staying on the X-Men a little bit in a way. I, I was surprised to hear this, that apparently, according to uh, the direct, Caleb Williams had this. Um, they are uh, also apparently looking into including Alpha Flight into the MCU in some way. Alpha Flight, of course, was the uh, Canadian superhero team. Uh, they were uh, closely tied with Wolverine. They, uh, Wolverine was a part of them, I think, at one point. Uh, you know, they were obviously also part of, you know, they work for Department X, H, I'm sorry, which ended up being the department that turned Wolverine into Weapon X. This was weird to me. This was a weird time. That's why I wanted to really want to talk about Because I'm like, Alpha Flight is like, to me, like super niche fan in terms of like who's going to like really get excited or care. So I'm like, okay, what is the end game of including them and how do you want to include them? Because I don't see... Like, is there, like, there going to be some... Do you think they're going to get some interest from Canada that they haven't gotten already? Um, how do they, <laughs> you got to give the Canadian... Are, are, they trying to, are they trying to do a show with Alpha Flight? 
Like, was that something, is that a feasible idea? Or is this a way, as we talked about Wolverine, is this a way for them to introduce Wolverine? Do they feel like, would this be a great way to really kind of flesh out his origin in a much more substantial way? Like, don't, we can go before the X-Men, let's have him with Alpha Flight and his issues with them before we even get to the X-Men. Yeah, I mean, look, it'd have to be a Wolverine story. Um, there, I don't think you can do Alpha Flight, like the Guardians, and just put Wolverine a, a, a part of them. Like they, I don't think there, I don't think there's any appetite for that. So, because of that, I think that look, if you do a Wolverine movie, again, I think there are more creative ways to use Wolverine right now than necessarily even having to start with a Wolverine movie. But uh, maybe you don't. Maybe it's something down the line. But if this report is coming out now, that would suggest that Alpha Flight is going to come into play in the foreseeable future in the next three to four years, you would imagine. Maybe four to Yeah, probably three to four. So if that's the case, then I don't personally see any properties where Alpha Flight could, could, play, could come into play. I mean, you think about... Falcon and Winter Soldier. You know, if you talk about be some government element to that, some uh, diplomatic elements to that, do you talk about, all right, well, they're Canadian, you know, we're for a government agency. Apparently, Alpha Flight was, or not Alpha Flight necessarily, but Department H, which you had mentioned, was they were name-dropped in an episode of Agents of S.H.I.E.L.D., according to Wikipedia, which, you know, is always right. So, <laughs> because of that, <laughs> yeah, that's why I like told my uh, my uh, teachers. Uh, <laughs> but regardless, um, that is interesting. That you know, it was it was it was name dropped in in Agents of Shield. Um, I don't think that Agents of Shield has any idea. The people writing that had any idea that they were going to be doing Alpha Flight in five years. But still, an interesting interesting uh, Easter egg. But Personally, I don't think that there's anywhere or anywhere that I see them right now fitting in. But once they start to unfold the X-Men, I could certainly see the Alpha Flight being part of Wolverine's origin, which it wasn't in the in the Fox movies. But I could see them as a way to differentiate the character is also a way to make his costume not as ridiculous. <laughs> Wait, so when you say not make it not as ridiculous, you mean not as ridiculous as his Alpha Flight costume in the comic books? Well, no, like, as, like, to give him context as to why he's wearing that, that costume. You, you know what I mean? Right. I guess. Like, if he's a part of Alpha Flight, and, like, now you can give him a story as to why he's got that orange and blue thing. Right. Yeah, no, I And when that. he puts it on in a Wolverine movie, even, you know, maybe it's as, as a part of Alpha Flight, it's like, wow. You know, for us, it'd be super cool. It actually might be a gag in the movie, but, like, you know... It makes more sense. I mean, you could do it for the X Men too, but now it it really differentiates from the other movies, as opposed to you say, "Oh, why didn't he just do it like in the other movies where he just you know in a tank top or a jumpsuit? Why has he got to wear the mask and stuff or the cowl?" Right. Yeah. He fits in that more. With, sm- yeah, that actually is smart. If he's like yeah. on a superhero team and you want to explain why he's wearing that kind of costume, and yeah, yeah, real superhero getup. Yeah, that that actually could be dope. And, like, that transformation when he, you know, goes to the X-Men and puts the X on his belt as opposed to, like, the regular belt he had or whatever, like, that would be... Talk about a moment. You're talking about trying to create moments. Yeah. Like, I think so much of the Marvel Universe has been them 
you know, building up to certain moments. The moment when Spider-Man's holding Captain America's shield, the moment Captain America's holding Mjolnir. Yeah. Obviously the snap. You know, there are these moments that you think of that are just kind of iconic. Um, And that would be quite the moment if when he eventually puts on the X uh, and becomes an X-Men. Um, yeah, this, yeah, it's hard to say. Uh, I, I, I do agree that I think that if you're doing Alpha Flight, it, it makes the most sense to have it be directly linked to Wolverine. I think that has to be part of his story, his character. Um, I, I actually misspoke. I said Department H was part of Weapon X. That was not true. They were just something, a separate entity that were, Department X was a government entity that worked, that uh, Alpha Flight worked for. But, yeah, I, I, I think that that has to be the angle because every other angle just seems too weird. I don't think that there is this like hidden gem like we saw with the Guardians of the Galaxy that, you know, oh, we can make Alpha Flight into the, the next big superhero team. I, I don't see that. Alpha Flight is very like, is very 80s. It's very, you know, niche. It's like, it's very Canada. <laughs> the guys wearing, the guy, like, you know, uh, the leaders, like, wearing a whole, like, basically the Canada, <laughs> Canadian the flag. flag. Yeah. As this costume, you know, so like some of those things just don't work. I think as a as a, as a team, that's gonna be a major franchise. But could it be uh, the way to help boost Wolverine? Absolutely, I think it would be a smart way to try to do that. Um, lastly, I want to touch on one last story here. Well, this was a scoop from Jeremy Conrad. Marvel is apparently uh, beginning to lay the groundwork for uh, Doctor Doom, and they're uh, planning to do so by including someone who uh, has worked very closely with him. They're planning on introducing Lucia Von Bardis to the MCU. Uh, in the comics, she becomes the, uh, she's the successor to uh, Victor Von Doom in terms of his rule in Latveria. Kendall, what do you think of Marvel's apparent moves to, uh, to, to lay the groundwork for Doctor Doom? To me, uh, look, I think it's fascinating. Um, the fact that this is coming out now, because look, Lucia Von Bardas is a it's a deep cut for Marvel characters when it comes to yes. Marvel characters. Um, the only reason I'm uh, very much familiar with the character is because I've played Marvel Ultimate Alliance two a million times over. So, <laughs> done the story a million times. Done it from the the Civil War of like being on Team Cap, Team Iron Man, mostly Team Iron Man. But uh, I've played that game three or four times, and she's always the initial villain that you face. It's her and like the Tinkerer. But um, so, and as a character, I didn't know really that she was a real character. I was like, Who's Lucian Von, Lucia Von Barda? But played a huge role in. Uh, in the comics, in kind of all of the Latvian uh, diplomacy, you know, she's plays different roles. Um, but when you talk about transitioning her into the MCU, again, similar to Alpha Flight, but even more so, it this again, this being such a deep cut, it makes me feel like Conrad uh, knows or someone knows that or knows when and where she is showing up. And it's something that is probably in the near future. Now, for example, someone like Sunfire, she told me, yeah, Sunfire is going to be an MCU movie. Like, I heard Thunderbird. The initial report about Thunderbird was that Thunderbird was supposed to be one of the initial X-Men that is actually introduced, for whatever reason. I don't know why. But you think about that, or you think about someone like Sunfire, you think, oh, maybe he's in Shang-Chi, you know, as as a mutant that is... A part of the tournament or something like that. 
I I wonder about Lucia Von Bardis. Where is her fit in the MCU? Again, similar to Alpha Flight, I think about Falcon and Winter Soldier. I think, is it possible that Latveria is broached in that in that show? It wouldn't surprise me and because it, Madripoor is, is 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 in the show. Madripoor, right? Is that's a, something we yeah. Is an X Men was an X Men property. Um, it was an island where Wolverine or a place where Wolverine once lived. Um, as a deep cut in regards to its connection to the X-Men and mutants. And that's in the show, from what we see from set photos already. So, is there a way that Liberia is also going to be touched on, too? Very possible. Right. And so, and again, that's that's something where you can put it in, the, you can put it in, in the show, and it doesn't have to, you don't have to rewrite the whole thing. You know, you don't have to feel like, wow, like, you know, we have to do everything over because we're putting Lucia Von Bardas in in Latveria. You could replace some other fake country that you had and some other fake character you had maybe in the in the, in the the show and say, you know, what? wouldn't it be cool if we started it off with a major Latverian character and have her be from Latveria? That, I mean, again, the, the possibilities are endless. We, we saw them tease Wakanda multiple times before Black Panther. And ultimately, when they decided to go to Black Panther, those teases ended up having kind of a major payoff. And I think Doom's character and in, in the, the, the essence of Doom, there are some people that say, look, maybe he's going to take over from for Lucia Lombardes. Maybe she'll be the initial kind of leader of Latveria or something along the line that he picks up to pieces. Um... I don't think that's the case. I think he. I think she'd be working for him, uh, and that. But we won't know anything about him, or probably even get reference to him for years. But um, at least for multiple, multiple movies. But, but no, I think that this is a great. I think it's an excellent possibility. It's an excellent idea. Um, but that's the only thing I could really see her in right now. Yeah, yeah, I could see. I definitely could see that. Um... Especially when you say, the way you, I think you were right when you said, you no, know, introducing her suggests that there's an idea for a specific project that she would be on. It wouldn't be, we're doing a Fantastic Four. <laughs> like, like, that wouldn't make, like, they wouldn't be like, oh, and introducing this woman. They'd say, they'd say, you know, we're introducing Victor Von Doom, because you would almost certainly, he would certainly be in that kind of movie. So, yes, I do feel like there's probably something that they're working on, they already have done, that it, it, it's supposed to be their way to introduce Latveria. Um, cons- and then what's exciting, as you mentioned, is I think that uh, the Disney Plus shows could end up being a great venue to kind of, you know, touch on some of these things in terms of exploring and expanding the Marvel Universe to include some of these Fox properties that they didn't originally have. So if that includes uh, uh, using Lucia in this way, I think that that would be smart. I think that that would uh, make a lot of sense. I think that one Winter Soldier... And Falcon could make a lot of sense, um, but when you're talking about someone who's a diplomat, I mean, it could be. There's a lot of ways you can do that. You could put her in Black Panther. I could see something, uh, some kind of yes. diplomatic thing going on there, or maybe it's something with Wakanda and maybe T'Challa's at another, you know, United Nations type event, and he, you know, cross paths with this woman who maybe is there. Yeah, some kind very of diplomat, you know, or maybe their prime, maybe their prime minister, and there's like you know a tense exchange between them. Uh, or maybe it's even not tense. Maybe that it's okay, but you know, we we know that you know there's a Victor Von Doom kind of on the horizon. You know, so uh, <laughs> right. so there's a, there's a lot of ways you can do it. But you know, 
using the diplomats, uh, they're, they're, that's always a, a smart play, I think, to try to open the the the, the can to uh, new worlds, new countries, and um, and I think that, that sounds like how they're gonna they plan on using um, this character. I think that that's that's the best way to go. Um, let's uh, go to our episode recaps for this week. So obviously, you know, we only got two superhero shows going right now, so we're we're back on our back on our grind in regards to going through these episodes of the uh, Agents of Shield and Stargirl. I'm gonna start with Agents of Shield. This was uh, uh, season seven, episode four, out of the past. This is kind of your continuation from our adventure last week that included the introduction of Daniel Sousa. Uh, you know, obviously, you know, the former partner of Agent Carter in the Agent Carter show. Sousa, you know, they kind of established with him as being kind of here to stay, at least for the time being, with this story. It's told from uh, kind of like a first-person account by LMD Coulson in a noir style. It's like yes. very goofy, very much like, uh, I don't know if over the top is a word, but very much like obvious of what they're doing, what they're calling to. But uh, again, I think, it, you know, it, it worked. I thought this was uh, a really fun episode. Um, I loved the, uh, you know, the use of the Hollywood, uh, the, whole, the Hollywood uh, Roosevelt uh, Hotel, which is, you know, if you go to L.A., that's like a super famous Hollywood hotel where, you know, a lot of famous people used to live, used to stay uh, back in the day. And, and people still go there a lot and stuff to stay and stuff. But um, I thought this was uh, I thought this was another good web episode. I think that, you know, Sousa's uh, presence on the team or with the team so far has been really good. Uh, I think that the Enoch scenes, particularly the first call he had with Coulson, was probably the funniest scene of the season so far. <laughs> Uh, when you realize yeah. that he's been, you know, kind of just on his own, stuck in time for literally decades. They've not, nobody's come for him, nobody knows that he's in, uh, you know, Chronocom. Uh, uh, and and then that that joy he initially has when someone has finally reached out to him only for that person to be like, yeah, sorry, we can't help you. Give me the team. And he actually has a way to communicate with the team. But I guess he can't or, or he doesn't feel like it's right to do that. He's able to transfer them to him. It's a, uh, it's it's really funny, but um, but yeah, I, I thought that this was cool. I thought that it was a good callback to, um, you know, with this being the last season, I think that uh, there are kind of like Easter egg slash meta callbacks to the show's origins that were very prevalent here, and they even mention it, you know, with uh, kind of the Coulson character, what he means to the MCU in regards to the Avengers and how they kind of created Sousa to be like a new Coulson in a way. And I thought that that was a, a smart callback, a smart person to use. And um, I think it made for just a, a really, really good episode. I really don't have many negative things to say about it. I, I enjoyed this one. Yeah, yeah. I mean, this was... This whole story with Sousa, these last two episodes, has been really cool in terms of just MCU. If you're an MCU fan, you know, you're a fan of the Captain America stuff and the Agent Carter show, then this is this has been really cool to kind of get more of a history in, into S.H.I.E.L.D. and a history into the MCU. Um, 
we really hadn't known what happened to Sousa. So it was good to kind of, again, we talked about this before, but like last week, but again, kind of really explain the situation with, um, with Endgame. Because Endgame kind of was very confusing at that point. Because you're like, wait, wait, but Agent Carter's with Sousa. So what's what's the deal with happening to him? You know, now Captain America's back. We assumed everything that was being talked about, everything with Sharon Carter and stuff, we thought that was that was about that was with Sousa or somebody. But now it kinda now now that kinda debunks that because Sousa was dead. So very interesting. Very interesting story, but uh Boy, yeah. that really put like um it really does kind of speak to like the tragic life that Agent Carter lives, and uh, his how that woman persevered. Man, I thought that like I thought that was a part of this story too. That was like, you know, yeah. it's, it's, like if you're just like a person watching the show, not thinking really beyond, it's I think it's just, yeah, yeah. I forgot. So, about I, I thought about that. that. I was just like, wow. So not only did she lose Steve, but she lost Sousa in a really tragic, another tragic way of someone trying to be heroic. Like yeah. that woman still became the head of Shield and still did all she did. Like. Wow, like it just was really, it really put in perspective, kind of like, you know, her journey, just Pe- Peggy's journey, just just how much of a legend right. she is. Yeah. So. Um. So yeah, yeah, and you know, you even saying that you know, can, you makes you hope that they'll get Haley Atwell to show up at some point, but again, seems unlikely given what everything she said. But yeah, no, I mean, I thought this was a great episode. Again, I think that the the. The way they they handle history is really good in this show. Um, Obviously, when it comes to any of these types of shows, you wonder, all right, how much of history is, like, it's historical and how much of it is historical fiction? You know, like, the, like, you know, you have Roosevelt in the show and all these different people, but, like, how much of this is still in the MCU? And uh, so I do wonder about that sometimes. Uh, and we'll, we'll, I guess we'll know more about that as the season goes on, how much they delve into actual real world history, how much of it is now MC, just MCU history. But, um, again, still cool to, cool, cool to get kind of more background into S.H.I.E.L.D. because this, this gives us not only background for the show, but really background for the MCU in general, you know? So it really helps tie in a lot of interesting things about the MCU that maybe we weren't thinking about, but still cool to know, um, Still wondering where it fits, obviously. Um, situation yeah, with May. Four, four episodes in, still no fits. Yeah. I, I like the stuff with May. You know, I wasn't sure I how, I was, how I was going to feel and about I, it. I but. told you last week I, I was hating it. And I, yeah. I did 180. This it's interesting, interesting seeing Ming-Na Wen play, play this type of character. You know, because mm-hmm. um, she's been playing a specific character her whole whole time on the show. Uh, even played a similar character in uh, The Mandalorian. So seeing her now in Age of S.H.I.E.L.D. Uh, this season playing kind of a different kind of situation, in a different kind of situation, having showing some emotion, some empathy is, is, is fascinating. But yeah, yeah, the, I thought this was a, a great, I thought it was a great episode. Also, it's also kind of funny to me how like, it is also something and more subtle, something you're not normally thinking about. But something I was thinking about watching this episode was like, isn't it crazy how like you know, we got a black director of Shield, that too. We got Nick Fury also, obviously. But huh. uh, <laughs> like you know, Susan probably like probably be shocked. It's like what? 
<laughs> also, Clark Gregg is amazing. Oh, that's what I wanted to say. Um, man, do I miss Colson. Colson, man. Like, and not to diss what they did last season with Sarge, because I actually really did like Sarge. Right. But just like, even just like Clark Gregg just tapping into like season one, really almost like more like like Avengers, right. and Iron Man. That's what I was gonna say. Like even like, Colson, like that, that, like that even character. before Sarge. Even before Sarge, Coulson seemed like he was becoming a different character because so many things have had happened, happened in his role, him, yeah. vastly different yeah. with the Agents of S.H.I.E.L.D. than they had been with the Avengers or Season 1. But the Coulson that we see now is really, again, back to Avengers Coulson, back to Season 1 Coulson, and it's, to me, still the best Coulson. I agree. Yeah, I agree. This Coulson yeah. is just so he's charming. Uh, he's a great choice for a first-person storytelling noir style like this. Like, the only yeah. other person I think that could have pulled this off would have been Deke. Like, that would have been really funny, too. I think they may right. have done it, like, in episodes, not, like, noir style, but, like, first-person style like that before. Um, I think the one where he was doing, when he was doing the uh, uh, last season when he did the um, the virtual reality. And, of course, they, they pull up on him. I think that a lot of, if I remember correctly, I feel like a lot of that story was first-person. But, um... But yeah, like this was like he's the per like that character is the perfect choice for this, for this mission. Him being the point person and the little moves he has to make to try to keep the the ruse going. Like it was uh it was great. It was just a really fun episode. Um, what I love about Agents is how uh, you could just tell it that you know you know the showrunners you know Jed Whedon, Marisha, uh, Tana Cherion, like that you could tell how much they Jeffrey Bell how they really. Like, they're true, like, lovers of, like, film, you know? Like, they're, like, they're not just su- not just superhero heads, you know what I'm saying? Not just, oh, I just want to... Like, this to me was something like, we had to... Well, let's take a concept of, uh, of a theme of film that we like, and let's insert it in a, like... In, in yes, in, like, a goofy way, but, like, still an authentic way into our show. And the fact that they decided to do it with this episode, also, I think, was kind of, like... A surprise because they could have done it with like the episodes before that were in the 30s and like i think they was kind of also threw everyone off guard when you saw that this episode was going to be the one else in black and white you know we had moved further ahead into the future by the time we got to this episode um no i i, I just i i just really liked it it was really good um and this show continues to continue to do well and i agree about may like that was a character i told you i was not really happy with where they were going so far but um this I feel like you're starting to see her soften a little bit, and now we're seeing why with this kind of new power that she's uh, acquired, and seeing how that affects her and how that um, how that drastically has to change the kind of acting we see from uh, uh, from um, I can't remember her name, may not win like that that that's a uh, that's a uh, that's great I think and I think that that's a growth we haven't seen so I mean you you hit pretty much all the points I agreed with you know the. Growth and the expanded, you know, portrayal that we see from Ming Now when the kind of like revert back to the past with Coulson uh, and Kirk Gregg going back to kind of his roots, and then and, and just overall, I thought the story was was interesting. Um, also, uh, yeah. the Malik Malik thing is going to be interesting to follow. Honestly, that might be the up. that might be the only angle that I'm kind of not that excited about. I guess because you know. Oh, the guy's father that used to be our villain is the bad for the season, and we could have killed him, but we didn't. 
I don't know. Like, seeing, like, this... Because part of me was like, you know, the Malik we met in, like, episode two, one or two, whenever we saw him, was, like, such, like, a punky kind of kid. I was like, how does this guy become, like, the head of Hydra? And, like... It didn't make sense. He was, like, he's, like, a star... He's, like, a vastly different person. I was like, wow. Yeah, and, like, and, and look, people change. Let me be clear. Like, you know, people do change. Over a lot of time, yeah. Yes, and this was over 20 years. But I, I, I think, to me, because you don't see any of that change... Like it almost doesn't even feel like that yeah, we're dealing with the same yeah. person, you know. Like I couldn't even tell if it was the same actor because he got the beard now. I'm like, wait, is that the same guy? Yeah, I had to look closely, but I was like, yeah, it's definitely the same guy. But but when you have when you, when you don't really show us any of what he's gone through to get to that point, and now he's just this whole different person, it doesn't hit as hard when the person we just met was also new. Like it was different with Fitz because we had seen Fitz for. Um, you know, years before he became, you know, the doctor. And that was a different character. And that hit hard because you're like, I don't care his journey. This is crazy, you know. And, of course, the acting performance was, was great. Uh, not, to dis- not to diss homeboy who's playing Malik, but I don't think he's uh, he he's not, you know, Ian uh, the Castiger, you know. Um, at least not what they're giving him right now. Uh, maybe they, we will see more of that. But this... This this character felt a little too mustache twirly, more too much like cookie cutter. I'm hoping that we move on from this Malik and go to someone else. Do, um, do, is there be, a chance? But... So now that we're going to be going to the 70s, is there yeah. a chance that we see Hank Pym? Or maybe we don't see Hank Pym. We get a reference to Hank Pym. Uh, Michael Douglas maybe. I don't, we're not going to see Michael Douglas. No way. Yeah, no. Michael Douglas ain't showing up on TV. But yeah, but do we get a reference to Hank Pym? Possibly, possibly. I like that we got you know Howard Stark in the last one. Um, yeah, I think that you know this 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 season seems like we're they're going all in with like let's just give the people let's give a love letter to the, to the MCU yeah. fans and just put in the references and let's link this to everything that's happened in the MCU uh, and let's expand on it because again like the Sousa story even though that's still linked to television is like an expansion of like of of what we know about the MCU, because we didn't know how Sousa's story. So, ended. what do we know? What Sousa was giving to Howard Stark? I didn't. I didn't. I never. I never. I never got it. an understanding of that either, which is a good point. I, I thought it was going to be something major. I was like, "Oh, is it going to be like you know, like last time they're talking about the Super yeah. Soldiers here?" I feel like, like I hope we don't sound like doped. Like maybe someone's listening. Like it was obvious, but like yeah, it was yeah, obvious. That, it was the Iron Man suit. Right. Like, but yeah. I'm like, like, oh hey. man, how did I miss that? Now I feel like sound like an idiot. But yeah, I agree. I didn't. I didn't. It wasn't clear to me. You know, it was like some bar, some metallic bar. It looked like. Was it uh, vibranium? It, well, he already has vibranium. Uh, yes, he would already have vibranium by this point because he would have. Oh, I mean, you could always get more, but in but in theory, yeah, yes, yeah. you would think that he's already made Captain America shield. Right. So, so it's not would, like yes, yeah, it's, it's not like something that. And also, what like, they they called it a device too, which you know, vi- you know, piece of vibranium right. isn't a device; it's, it's a it's a it's a metal that can be used to to make devices or, you know, whatever. So, so yeah, I, yeah, that wasn't that wasn't clear to me either. Kind of what what the actual thing was, and I don't know if we're gonna. I think that we probably will get um, some reference to it. Like they don't Agents of Shield doesn't just put stuff in there and then just let it rock. Like, I think we will come back and remember, oh, that thing they gave, like, that became this. I just don't think we know it yet. Yeah, apparently, from what, I, from what I'm reading, we don't know. Like, yeah, so I think we'll, we'll know. Yeah, they'll let us know that this isn't going to be the, uh, this isn't going to be the end. 
Um, okay, let's uh, let's move on now. Last show uh, we got the Justice Society uh, episode of uh, Stargirl. This was uh, season one, episode six. This is our introduction to more ISA members. Here we got Sportsmaster and Tigress, and an introduction to this uh, DC Universe version of Artemis as well, which I didn't expect. I was actually like, "Oh snap! Okay, that's a that's a pretty cool pull." Um, I I really liked this episode as well. I thought that costuming they need to work on i think especially with tigress tigress costume while to be fair if you look at like you know the first iterations of tigress in the uh comic books like you know now to be fair that's the 1950s and 40s but the paula brooks character which is the golden age tigress did look it didn't really look like how this tigress looked but she looked also ridiculous I kind of thought that the tigress in this episode looked kind of ridiculous, but um, Sportsmaster was okay. But I thought the application of <laughs> Sportsmaster's powers and like him and like you, how he, they functionally used him was really awesome. Like far exceeded my expectations. I thought this was I thought this had the chance to be a train wreck, especially when I first saw like the costume design. I was like, oh okay, I'm a little nervous about this. But then when I actually saw them in action, uh, I really liked it. And I really like their, um, like their, like those two characters, like kind of seeing them to be like you know, the overzealous parents of their, uh, of their you know star athlete daughter, who plays football, and is a star oh, quarterback. Yeah. yeah, that like makes that makes sense for Sportsmaster and Tigers. Like that that was a really smart to me like. How do we like blend these characters with like the story we're talking, we're, we're doing with these high school kids? And I was like, oh yeah, this is brilliant. And and then just in talking, showing the, the star football player being a girl and the issues she has to deal with, and uh, it was just I, I, again this this show rarely misses, man. I, I, I again, this is another episode. I don't have a, a lot poor to say. I, I enjoyed uh, how much. We finally got to see kind of Stargirl and her crew really kind of what the negative effects are of like not being heroes and just trying to just throw yourself into the fire and start fighting real villains. And I think I talked about that early on that I felt like at a certain point we really had to see them kind of like see how this is like very dangerous. And I think this was the first episode where we kind of got a piece of that. And I'm hoping that we end up getting more, but. Yeah, I, I really I love these two characters. I think that as characters, they're good. I think they're probably my favorite members of the ISA already. Um, Sportsmaster and Tiger are your favorite members of the ISA, like yes, including high school or outside high school, including high school. Still, and I like wow. high school, but he they these two are my favorites already. Like as it, because to me they're almost like one character, like a duo. Yeah, it's tandem, right? Yeah, and like them, um, like together, like they're like I love the dynamic they created. I mean, yeah, it's definitely, and this again, this goes back to kind of the stuff where I was like, you know, this show definitely has some of that kind of Disney thing where it's it's kind of goofy, you know, <laughs> like the the way they even told those characters, like it's dark but it's goofy, you know, like the way they're like, oh yeah, you know, they're the helicopter parents, sports parents, you know, like, but you know, they then they you know. Uh, put a hit out on, on every coach. Again, a co- goofy concept, but um, 
but it's funny and it's interesting how they how they did that. Um, again, I think the the uh, the characters uh, I thought were fine. Um, Sportsmaster, I look, I agree the costumes could probably could have been better. Sportsmaster is a goofy costume regardless, uh, so I guess he looked fine. I thought it was funny when uh, um, Rex Tyler called him uh, or whatever his name is uh, <laughs> called him uh, Gretzky. <laughs> yeah, that funny. that was a good line. Yeah. Um, but yeah, the Tigris costume probably wasn't the best. Um, I think Artemis, I, Art, the, them putting Artemis in the show was the first sign for me of you know everything I've been saying about all right, the show's good, but like long term is are they setting anything up long term? Um, now it's clear that all right, yeah, Artemis is somebody they're gonna if they get multiple seasons they're going to introduce as maybe it's not initially, but probably a hero at some point um so that's 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 uh encouraging because that's something i've worried about is all right there's a lot of connective tissue to this initial storyline but long term like what are they going to really give them the keys to, to a lot of major characters and you know artemis is a big cut especially considering artemis we technically had a version of artemis in arrow so oh, yeah, kind of glad that they're oh, yeah, the evelyn sharp Let's please, yeah. or whatever name was, let's please. Yeah, I don't remember. Wow, EJ got that. That was, a, that was a, no, again, deep cut. I couldn't have told you her name, but um, but no, I, yeah, yeah, this is this would be an improved version, likely. Uh, you give her an actual origin that is close to the uh, close to the character that we know, but yeah, no, I thought this was a good episode. Um, kind of now you close that the close you close the story with Pat and them not really seen eye to eye and now they're really a team uh you had to kind of get across that bridge and they've gotten there um did they confirm that the principal is the wife of the other fiddler or the fiddler i don't think that's been confirmed i think that because i thought i i feel like i didn't sports master or one of them like make a joke like you know we gotta get uh we gotta awake we gotta wake what's from call it up you know brainwave and someone's like you know her husband could have done it and maybe oh, take he, like oh oh i did hear that part i didn't be talking about when they said her like, husband her? when they said her husband i thought i didn't know who they were referring to but i guess in theory I, yeah i assume they were talking about her trying to wake him up with the with the music and saying i thought they were talking about but this doesn't make sense but i think i thought they were talking about the guy they killed the magician yeah, right. yeah, but 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 that doesn't make sense as you're saying. So yeah, I guess they probably were talking about the the original fiddler who would have been a man, right? Yeah. So that's an, that's that that's an interesting thing that they've kind of planted, an interesting seed that they planted. Um, but no, Jeff Johns is and Berlanti they've done a great job with this. I'll give them all the credit in the world. This is not a show that I was excited about, but I you know was not as I wasn't following this production process at all, you know, like like with Titans. I was excited for Titans, not only because it was, it was Titans, but I had heard all these different DC characters and things were going to be involved. You know, I'd heard, oh, they're going to do the Doom Patrol and they're going to do Blackfire and, you know, Cyborg may be involved eventually and all these different things. And I was like, wow, this could be really good, you know, but. I was I was in tune with this with with that stuff going into Titans because it was Titans so I was following. It. I yeah. <laughs> was know everything about Teen Titans. Star Girl, 
you know, kind of rolled my eyes when I heard about the idea. So I had no idea. Oh yeah, Artemis is going to be involved, and Sportsmaster is going to be on, and you know, Wildcat and Green Lantern will, will could play a role in this at some point. Like a lot of interesting, interesting thing that um, if you're a real DC fan, I mean, this is a this is the show for you, 100. percent I don't know how yes, you not like. It. I I do agree with that. You know, you're unless right. you just unless you want like just the super brooding type of thing. But if you if if you if you care about any of these types of characters, this is you know going to be the best representation you probably get of them. Yeah, I, I totally I totally agree. Um, I totally agree with that on all fronts. This is a DC fan love letter love letter, and um, it's not surprising. Yeah, it's not surprising. It's being done by Jeff Johns. Um, yes. I guess the the one question I will have still, and I did feel it in this episode, is, okay, at what point does this become, is this not a Stargirl show and this is just a JSA show or just Young Justice right, or whatever? And, and part of me is like, I mean, does it really matter if you're enjoying the content? The key, the key about that is... The show is still told from her perspective. Like, it's still her family. True. You know, Pat is still related to her. And, like, so at the end of the day, while, yes, you have these other characters and they're part of the team, you know, it's like Arrow. It's like how Arrow kind of became the Team Arrow show. Or the Flash. Flash is not as bad as it. Arrow got Mm -hmm. kind of bad at at one point. Yeah. But. Yeah. um, Arrow had, like, four superheroes on his team. Yeah, like four or five different superheroes, and Oliver showed up probably the least of all of them. <laughs> so I was like, all right. This is even an Arrow show anymore. Um, but this is still, but it, it, it it's close to that, where it's, where it's like, oh, look, it's still Stargirl. The problem is that this is season one, so you kind of still feel like you don't know much about the character. But I don't think this is a super deep character or not. I think, you know, like, this is pretty much your stereotypical, you know, teen superhero character so i think i think i think they've been fine with it um again i think they'll hit heavier with the star girl themes of it when we get to when we start to find out and we start to uncover the stuff about starman and that whole deal yeah um i i you know again i i've i've already put you know, i think you agree that we put out the 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 theory that you know her dad's gonna be a a nobody or dad's going to be a, a thug, you know, or somebody that just, you know, was yeah. somebody that works for a supervillain like that. That'll be the that I think that'll be the, the storyline. Um, I don't think it's going to be I don't think I don't even know. I don't think he's going to he's even going to be a major supervillain. Like I think he may just be like, oh, yeah, he's, a, he's like, you know, Jack Napier, <laughs> you know, <laughs> with, you know, he's like, he's, you know, just a normal, normal, you know, normal, uh, Boom. Yeah, exactly. Um, but yeah, this is, a, you know, again, we got to give DC his props. I think a lot of people, when they first heard about Stargirl, they kind of rolled their eyes. Um, not necessarily because of the character, but just like considering what DC Universe and CW have done and what Belanti has done, they were like, oh, God, here we go again. But um, I think the one thing we probably underestimated was how, how well Berlanti does, like, this like he has a good eye for this demographic this kind of genre of story yeah and putting someone who is so such an intimate knowledge and such an intimate knowledge not just the dc universe but of the character 
who created the character, literally, involved with the show and running the show was just, you know, it's really kind of putting, like, the best of both worlds together. I think they so far they've blended so perfectly. Um, uh, what's your... Uh, does this enhance your excitement level for Green Lantern? That's also going to be a Mad Ghost production story. It's a good point. Um, yeah, it has to. I, w- I would argue yes, it has to, because... You've now seen them execute a plan uh, from Jeff Johns' uh, you know, production studio, and you've seen how solid it can be and how much it truly will feel like DC. Um, yeah, I, I, don't, I think there's no doubt that, this, that you have to uh, love this. You know, Because when I watch the show, man, I, get, I also get so much Young Justice vibes. Uh, you know, in this episode, I do too, man. This episode it's really, really leaned into it. You know, obviously when you have Artemis and Sportsmaster and Tigress, like you know, you're just like fully in that mode. But the notion, though, that they, they, that then I don't, and I don't think it's done by accident. I think they know what they're doing. But the notion that like they, they've seen what's worked and have tried to incorporate it in what they're doing on a live, live action television screens. That's a, that's awesome, man. Like, there's no. So you can't help but make you feel like, okay, well, maybe this Green Lantern thing might end up being, you know, quite serious. You know, hopefully, uh, you know, yes, it there is some there is some aspect of, like, Berlanti CW formula, but this feels still very different than anything else um, he's done in that elk in terms of the CW stuff. Obviously, Swamp Thing and Titans are very different than anything else. But, you know, this is also technically also a CW show. So when I look at, like, how this feels compared to the other ones this has a different vibe i think that's the jeff johns flavor to it and jeff johns even said i believe in an interview recently i read that he was talking about um he was talking about how them putting this show cw and warner brothers putting this show on the cw picking it up was kind of a a stamp of approval that he felt you know kind of like all right now they really feel like this show could be a replacement to arrow and that's a big step, you know. And he, if he's very excited about this, I, you know, I think he knows that Warner Brothers is very excited about this. And he really say it a replacement to Arrow. I, I, again, that's that was that was a that was a that was a paraphrase. Okay. <laughs> he didn't say we're a replacement to Arrow, but I think he said something along the lines of, um, with Arrow leaving the show or right. Arrow leaving the, leaving the network, you know, them picking us up was really like a stamp of approval right. or. Uh, you know, a vote of confidence. That's what he said. He said it was gotcha. really a vote of confidence for the show that you know. Yeah, because, they because after leaves after losing a show with, that had such such a large fan base, any whatever any DC show you then add to put onto the network is going to be viewed as a replacement, even if it's not. It's going to be you no. Know, yeah. It's going to be the oh man, remember we had Arrow? Now we got this crap. Like that. That's how people are going to react. So. Johns knows that CW knows that we all know that. So, and and I, and I think that that was you know I don't think that I don't know if it was conscious. I didn't see consciously people making that point, but I think subconsciously it was kind of like what's CW doing? Like when they heard when it, when we saw that Star Girl going to be on, I think a lot of people were like, what, what are they doing? What like, like you know I think and I think part of it was like oh man we lost Arrow so maybe CW will go in a different direction. It's like wait now we're getting more heroes and what's Star Girl? Like what is this? I think people kind of scoffed. I think that it was subconscious. There was that angle of, all right, we just had a decade of Oliver Queen, pretty much. 
Like y'all can't do anything else. So this is the best y'all got to give us now moving forward. And uh, probably wasn't fair. It definitely wasn't fair, and it was incorrect because again, this show is, is is pretty solid. But um, but yeah, again, you said, the um... one the one thing I will say is I think that again I want to give a lot of credit to to Johns and the people at, uh, at his production studio in DC Universe because Berlanti, you know, really getting out of his comfort zone. He deserves a lot of credit too, but I think when you see some of the the tints that we didn't see from some of these other DC shows, and it's like this is yeah, I see where it's someone else's influence as well. Right. So um, this wasn't uh, Jeff Johns who said this. Um, this was uh, I'm trying to find the name. Um, Cameron Gelman. Who played? Uh, he's he's a kid that played uh, Rick uh, Rick Tyler. Uh, he was like, he's like everything's pointing in the right direction when talking about a season two. Uh, he doesn't know, but he's a doctor. He's like, everyone everything's pointing in the right direction. But this is this is about that time in the season when you know if you're gonna back, uh, you know if you're going to back or not. If you're going back or not, we've been really lucky. I think it's a vote of confidence that the CW brought us on after our season was made. They think we can revamp the DC family because shows like Arrow are ending. I feel optimistic. So, people that work on Star Wars, optimistic that we'll get a season two. But and honestly, if you've seen the show, I'd be, I'd feel confident as well. Yeah, I mean, you never say never in terms of show cancellations because we've seen great shows get just thrown into the dumpster bin for. It'd be, it'd be a reasons. shame if they if they brought that woman back and, and got rid of Star Wars. One hundred percent. One hundred percent. Just in terms of what's a better show. Yeah, but yeah, in terms of just quality and and yeah, in terms of quality, there's no question that the the product that they put forward with Star Girl is way better than Batwoman. And Batwoman had probably ten times the promo that Star Girl. Yeah. Yeah, if they put the energy for Star Girl, they put in for Batwoman. Star Girl, I think, would be very. Could be massive. I agree. I think it could be a massive hit. And it's kind of unfortunate because so many sh- some shows do catch on, like some shows like the first season, no way watching, and like word of mouth gets around and it does this run on the Netflix and the you know and the uh, well yeah no, this is good to be on Netflix because this is a DC um, and does this run on on the uh, on the streaming services and then like it catches fire. But when you, you know when you don't put those resources in, sometimes it's really hard to ever get the momentum you need. You know, so let's hope. Yeah. I hope that they're able to. They are able. You know, to, like um, Riverdale. Riverdale, they put a massive campaign right. out for that show. Even like again, Riverdale is just Archie comics. Mm-hmm. It's just an Archie comic story. It's not something that's like super mainstream. It's something that exists. It's something that people there's a there's a cult fan base for, but it's not a major major property. But because the CW put a major marketing campaign and Warner Bros. put a major marketing campaign and put some huge names in the show. Luke Perry, R.I.P., and Cole Sprouse and other big names. That show had a massive following from day one, and it was good. They backed it up. So now they have a major fan base, not just a cult fan base, or a cult following is a major fan base. Stargirl had some had some of the stuff that, you know, you would think it could have that same Riverdale type of fan base, but they didn't put the, they didn't put the marketing into it. Mm-hmm. You know, I kind of forgot the show was happening until uh, they showed up in Crisis, which huh. I believe, <laughs> which I believe, the shot that we see of them in Crisis was in this episode. From that really, 
I think when you see them, I guess they're about whoever they're about to fight. I guess Sportsmaster when they're about to fight Sportsmaster and them outside, and they kind of all show up and they kind of look like a team. I think that's what they do. In um, I gotta take a look at know, that. They're all in the costumes and stuff. I watched yeah. it a couple couple. I watched it like last week because I wanted to see. I was like, I wonder like like who are all the characters? I wonder like you know like like who's in the shot? I don't remember. I just remember Stargirl being in there, and it right. was it was it was like the same group of people. I was like, oh okay, mm-hmm. so. Interesting. Um, so I thought that was a cool Easter egg as well. Yeah, that is cool. Um, but I think that's a good place to wrap the show, guys. So uh, thank you guys so much for listening in to this edition of the New Generation Hero Talk Podcast. Of course, you can catch all of our shows on New Generation Podcast Network. We're on Spotify, Apple Podcasts, SoundCloud, Stitcher, and TuneIn. Also, catch us on social media, Twitter, New Generation Pod, Instagram, New Generation Podcast. And Facebook and Generation Media, follow me on social media, EJ underscore Stewart on Twitter and Action EJ on Instagram. Thank you guys so much for listening in. For Kendall, I'm EJ. Take it easy, guys. Peace.